0: everybody. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are trustworthy and strong, that we need not fear as we go through the ups and downs and ins and outs of this life because you are faithful. God, we pray now, uh, trusting in you and in the work of your spirit as you continue to change us and give us confidence and boldness and encouragement as we walk through this life. In Jesus' name, amen. There are two kinds of people in this world. Those who are slaves and those who are free. Which one are you? Now you might say, Nick, that's pretty dramatic. I mean... Slaves and free, that's it. There's a lot of different ways that we can differentiate people as we go through life. But above race and class and gender and nationality and ability, all of the ways that we typically try to differentiate different types of people, above all of those things, the Apostle Paul is focused in the book of Galatians on two profound categories, slavery and freedom. To be a slave is to be one who is under the influence of something or someone else. Slaves are compelled to do what they do not want to do. Slaves are trapped. There's no end in sight. And their life and their circumstances and even their future are determined by the hands of another. But to be free... (laughs) To have the desire and the opportunity and the ability to do something that you want to do without fear of regret. That's what it means to be free. And it can be hard to see sometimes how slavery and freedom relate to our spiritual lives with God. And so as we've been going through the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul seems to be hitting this idea again and again and again from different angles. And he addresses it again in Galatians chapter 4. So I want to ask you to open your Bible with me if you've yet to do so. To Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. As we get to the end of chapter 4, we see him bringing to Uh, some level of conclusion what he's been talking about for the last number of sections in the book. And he does so by way of a historical example that helps us to understand the importance of this idea all the more. And so Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 21, this is what Paul says. He says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, Now, brothers, like Isaac, you are children of promise. But just as at the same time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Paul has been writing to the church at Galatia. And this church has been infected by false teachers called Judaizers who were teaching this idea that you needed to follow the law, the Jewish law, become Jewish, before you could become a Christian, a believer in Jesus, and a faithful follower for your life. These Judaizers were preaching a gospel of works, or preaching a gospel of legalism to the people there, and Paul has been combating it very directly. And he uses Abraham as a, as a key part of his argument against these Judaizers, because Abraham was the father of all of the Jews... And a key part of their identity, all of the Jews found their identity in this family of Abraham. So important was this to them, that Paul brings up Abraham again and again and again, in fact, eight times throughout the course of this book. Now, throughout these sections, when he mentions Abraham, he's been highlighting that Abraham does give us an example as our father. An example of how we are to see ourselves, our identity in relationship to God. But this example is not through following the law. It's not through doing good works. The example that Abraham gives us is the example of faith. That when you follow God in faith, you become a child of God, and a child of Abraham. And so in one sense, Paul has been saying, your father Abraham does inform you how to live. Toward God today, the life that he leads and the life that you lead as God's children is a life of faith. And So to further illustrate this point, Paul looks at Abraham's two biological children and their mothers. And so in Galatians 4.22, our text for today, he says it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by the free woman. And to understand what he means here, this brings us all the way back to the book of Genesis. And so let me tell you this story. God had promised Abraham that he would make him the father of a great nation and that all the world would be blessed through his descendants. And as time went on, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, got old. (laughs) And they waited and they hoped. And they kept trying to have children. And they waited and they hoped. But their hope began to fade, and their confidence in God's promise to Abraham began to wane. And so you see in Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, Sarah said to Abram, Behold, The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now in the ancient world it was not uncommon for servants to be child bearers of the household. Especially in the case of infertility. And so Hagar, the slave, conceived and she bore a son. And his name was Ishmael. Abraham and Sarai took matters into their own hands. They did the thing that many others before them had done. They guaranteed their family line would continue. When things didn't go the way that they thought it was going to go, they worked the solution with all of their human ingenuity. And the slave... Bore a son, and so when Galatians four twenty three, our text today says Ishmael was born according to the flesh. That is to say that he was born according to the self reliance of Abraham and Sarah. He was not born by trusting God's promise or by trusting the power of God to fulfill His word. He was born out of their own self reliance to get a son. But God had not forgotten his promise. Nor was his power to fulfill that promise lacking. And so 14 years had passed. And the boy Ishmael was maturing. And when Abram was 100 years old and his wife Sarai was 90 years old, God told them that he was now, at this point in life, going to fulfill the promise. And so it says in Genesis 17... Verses 16 and on, God says to Abraham, I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And he said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you forever. And God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And so God did something miraculous. (laughs) Not only did he deliver on his promise, but he delivered on his promise in such a fashion that there was absolutely no mistaking whose power it was that delivered the promise. A 90-year-old woman had a son. (laughs) Only God can do that. And so Galatians 4.23 says, He refers to Isaac as the son of the free woman born of the promise. So in some ways, these two boys, Ishmael and Isaac, were very similar. In other ways, they were quite different. They were similar in that they shared the same father, their father Abraham. They were similar in the fact that they were raised in the same household. But there were two significant ways in which they were different. The first was legal in nature. Isaac was the legal heir to Abraham. Even though Ishmael was the firstborn son. Isaac was the heir because of who his mother was. He was born of Sarah, Abraham's wife, the free woman. Ishmael was not the heir. He had no legal status because of who his mother was. He was born of Hagar, the slave. The manner in which they were conceived is also the big difference between them. Ishmael was born from Hagar, the slave, based on Abraham's self-reliance. The circumstances were ordinary. The circumstances were entirely human. And therefore, he was born according to the flesh. However, Isaac, Isaac's birth was not ordinary. Isaac's birth was anything but naturally human. There was no possible self-reliance involved. Isaac's birth was a supernatural act of God. He was born according to promise. And so, Abraham, or so Paul says to us that these events and what has happened around them can be interpreted allegorically. Now, we don't typically interpret things allegorically, but every, ever so often it can be helpful to do so. An allegory is simply when the people or situation or events can function in such a way to show us further meaning. It doesn't mean, an allegory doesn't mean that the original events didn't actually happen. And certainly the original events of Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac have plenty of meaning for us to consider. But an allegory points to some truths even beyond those events. And that's where Paul goes. In verse 25, look at it with me. He says this can be interpreted allegorically in verse 24, and then he describes... what he means by that. He says there's two women, two covenants, two Jerusalem, and two sets of children. And this is what the allegory means. On one side, one woman, Hagar, is the slave woman. She has a son, Ishmael, who's born by self-reliance. And this represents, or allegorically represents, The covenant of the Old Testament, the covenant of the Mount Sinai, the covenant of works. Following the law and gaining favor to God. That covenant of works is represented, Paul says, in the present Jerusalem. The Jerusalem that is the central hub of Judaism, which had evolved into a religion of works. (laughs) And produces a certain type of children, the Jewish people, but more specifically, the legalists. The ones who say following the law is the way. And overarching is the theme that this points us to, the idea that some believe that you become righteous before God based on what you do. Works righteousness. That's rooted in the slave woman. Contrast that to Sarah, the free woman who has a son named Isaac who's born of God's power and God's promise, not by self-reliance. And this represents the covenant of promise that people follow by faith. And we see that in the Jerusalem above. Now he contrasts these two Jerusalems, the physical Jerusalem on earth and the Jerusalem above, which is represented by Jesus himself sitting on the throne as his kingdom is ever expanding. And as his kingdom ever expands, we see that it expands through his people who are called the church. This Jerusalem above produces a particular type of children. Children who are Christians that live by faith. And points us to an overriding principle. That righteousness comes to you. Favor and standing before God comes to you not by self-reliance, not by works, but by faith. And so this is the point that he's making. He's making the point that says the free children of God live by faith in the promise and power of God. Now, if I were to say to you, the slave children live this way, you would all say, I don't want to be one of the slave children. Nobody wants to be a slave child. But the free children, the free children, says, well, I want to be one of those children. You want to be one of those children. The free children of God live by faith in the promise and the power of God. And he culminates this expression, this beautiful description from Isaiah chapter 54. He says in verse 26, He says, but the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. That's Sarah. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. So it might look like all is lost. It might feel like your life is barren. It might appear as if the self-reliant ones are having their way while you continue to fail miserably. It might feel like no matter how hard you try, that you can't spiritually pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But when you trust in the promise of God and His power to see it through, Fruitfulness will eventually replace barrenness. New birth replaces desolation. And freedom replaces slavery. The free children of God live by faith in the promise and power of God. So what? (laughs) What does this mean? for us. And Paul finishes this section in verses 28 through 31 with a few application points. And the implied question or challenge is, which child are you? Are you a child like Ishmael who functions on self-reliance or are you a child like Isaac? If your desire to please God To be justified before him. To be saved. If your desire is fueled by self-reliance, by being good, by living... One of the biggest lies of our culture today that says, as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'm going to heaven. I'll be fine. If you're living like that, then Paul says you're a child like Ishmael, born of the flesh. If your ongoing spiritual life, Christian, and growth is driven by the sheer human effort in what you do, then you are in danger of living like Ishmael and continuing in slavery. If your desire to please God and to be righteous before Him is found in faith in Jesus and the work on the cross to forgive you of your sins, to redeem you, to restore you to God, to give you the standing as a son, then you are like the son Isaac, who is described in verse 23 as born of the promise. And verse 29 as born of the Spirit. If your desire is resting in those things, then you are free. And so you see this ironic truth that emerges self reliance actually leads to slavery. (laughs) We would think that self reliance or self determination is actually freedom, that's what we're taught. That's what we naturally function under. But here, self-reliance is actually leading you to slavery, while reliance on another, which you usually consider to be slavery, reliance on another actually leads to freedom. In the fall of 2010, billions of people around the globe were captivated by the story of the Chilean miners. Many of you remember it. They were trapped beneath 2,000 feet of solid rock for 33 men in absolute desperation. The collapse of the main tunnel had sealed their exit and thrust them into survival mode. These 33 men ate two, two spoonfuls of tuna, a sip of milk, and a morsel of peaches every other and they prayed for two months that someone would save them on the surface above the Chilean rescue team worked around the clock they consulted NASA, they met with experts they designed a 13 foot tall capsule and drilled first a communication hole and then an excavation tunnel there was no guarantee of success No one had ever been trapped underground this long and lived to tell about it. Well, now someone has. On October 13th, 2010, the men began to emerge, giving each other high fives and leading victory chants. A great-grandfather, a 44-year-old who was planning a wedding, a 19-year-old, all had different stories but all had made the same decision they had trusted someone else to save them no one returned the rescue offer with a declaration of independence i can get out of here on my own if you just get me a new drill they stared at the same stone tomb long enough to reach a unanimous opinion we need help <laughs> We need someone to penetrate this world and to pull us out. And when the rescue capsule came, they climbed in. Why is it so hard for us to do the same? Our inclination is to work harder, (laughs) to do more, to save ourselves. But that doesn't lead us to rescue. Because free children, the free children of God, live by faith in the promise and power of that God. And Paul gives us a couple of more nuggets of application. The first one is as it relates to persecution. We see that in verse 29. Look at it with me. He says, but just as at the time he who was born according to the flesh that's Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, that's Isaac, so also it is now. Ishmael, the older brother, tormented Isaac, the younger brother. And you get the sense that this was more than just brotherly badgering, like you did with your brother or I did with mine. This persecution was based on their status. Paul said the same is true today legalists will persecute those who live by faith alone. This is because typical religion and philosophy says that only those who are good can be saved. So for centuries, legalists have tried to limit the boundaries of God's work based on their works. And limit the boundaries of God's power based on their parameters. And hence, they also attempt to rob the freedom of those who are God's children. That's what legalists do. But through the gospel of God, by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus, anyone can be saved, good or bad. The promise of God is for all who believe. The power of God is applied not through human self-reliance, but it's applied through the working of a divine hand. And because you can't always see faith, Legalists have persecuted those who rely on God through faith. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, just know that your Christian life will have elements of persecution. Sometimes from places that we least expect it. You might expect persecution to come to you through the God-haters of the world. Those who are opposed to him and his works and his ways, the rampant secularists and hedonists who don't want to feel a certain way because of your morality. And persecution will come from that direction. But it will also come from the other direction. It will come from those who claim God as their own, who seem devout in their ways, They will think you foolish or weak in your faith because you don't do certain things, because you don't wear certain things, because you don't abstain from certain things. They're legalists. And their strict traditional religiosity and rules function as a works based religion. But you, Paul says, are a child like Isaac. You're free. And that leads to the next wonderful application, and that is that you will receive an inheritance. He finishes talking about the slave son is cast out and receiving nothing. The free son abides and receives his inheritance. And it's a fairly significant theme throughout the New Testament, this idea of inheritance. We see that inheritance is a reward. We see that inheritance is something that is equated with salvation. We see that we inherit the kingdom of God itself. And in the book of Galatians, we receive an inheritance that the chosen sons receive from a wealthy and eternal father. But only if we're like Isaac, the free son, who lives according to the power and the promise of God. And to live according to that power and promise takes dependence and reliance and faith. Jimmy and his son, Davey, were playing in the ocean down in Mexico. Which on a 32 degree day in northeast Ohio sounds kind of nice. His wife and his daughters were... On the shore, his parents and his cousins were as well up on the beach, and suddenly a rogue riptide came in and swept Davy out to sea. Immediately, Jimmy started to do whatever he could to help Davy. but before long, he was also swept out as well. And he knew that within a few minutes, they would drown. He tried to scream for help, but they were too far out, and his family couldn't hear him. And Jimmy was a strong guy. He was a decathlete, but he was absolutely powerless in this situation. And as he was carried along by the water further and further out, he had a single chilling thought. My wife and my daughters are going to have to have a double funeral. Meanwhile, his cousin, who understood something about the ocean, noticed what was happening. And so he ran down the beach parallel to them, And he walked out into the water where he knew there was a sandbar. He had learned that when you use all of your strength, you could give all of your effort. You can work as hard as you possibly can. But if you try to fight against a riptide, you will die. And so he walked to the sandbar. And he stood off to the side of them, as close as he could get. And he lifted his hands and he yelled to them, Come to me. You, come to me. If you try to go the way that your gut tells you to go, the shortest distance to the shore, you will die. If you rely on yourself, you will die. But Jesus says, if you will come to me, You will live. That's slavery or freedom. Death or life. The free children of God. Live by faith in the promise. And the power of God. Friends you are free. Live accordingly. Let's pray together. Father, help us to trust you all the more. Deepen our confidence in you. In the moments of our doubt or our weakness. Enliven our faith. In the moments of our self-determination or self-reliance. Remind us afresh of your promise. And God, help us in the little and subtle ways day in and day out to function in this new and incredible freedom that you give us in Christ. We pray for the sake of his glory. Amen.